What's up, everybody? This is Dr. Andy Wilczak. So, uh, before we get into part two of my interview with Dr. Sarah Daly, just a couple of housekeeping notes. Um, so, first, Sarah has sent me a note about her interview, and so just something that she wants me to read uh, prior to part two, just to clarify some stuff for the sake of you know doing good research and all of that. So, I'm just going to quote directly from the email that she sent me. So she says, in thinking about the interview that we did, I realized that I shared some misinformation about the black pill. While some incels characterize it as the way I describe, quote, everything is terrible, it's over, why should I try, just burn the whole thing down, etc. Others view it as an understanding of sociological, evolutionary, psychological, etc. studies that demonstrate the ways in which it's difficult at best and impossible at worst for some to achieve physical and romantic relationships. As one of my subjects wrote, quote, it's simply meant to be a set of facts, studies, information that explain human behavior, attitudes, preferences, and the like. He and many others argue that it, that that in and of itself isn't nihilistic, but for some, it may lead to rational or informed nihilism. Um, so there's that. She does talk a little bit about the black pill on this week's episode. So for Dr. Daly, there is your addendum. I also wanted to say that we really appreciate the support the show has received in the last seven days. This most recent episode is our most downloaded by far, and uh, all of the other episodes have been getting a, a boost in their numbers too, so I really appreciate that. Um, I, and again, I want to thank everybody who is who has boosted the show online. We're doing all the hype for this primarily through Twitter, so that the show is at uh, 600 downloads total. Um, as of right now, I think is really cool. So that said, if you're listening to this and you want to be featured on the show, please just reach out. You can send me a direct message on Twitter or you can send a DM to the show account at Untenure Tracks. My account's at uh, Hey Dr. Will, H E Y D R W I L. I know that a lot of the episodes have been crime based um, because that's what I do, that's my teaching and research background and my experience, but this is not designed just to be a criminology show or a criminal justice show, so um, we have talked to, I have talked to people from other disciplines in the past, and I would very much like to talk to more people from outside of my own kind of silo. So if you know people, or you are those people, and you want to come on and you want to talk about and hype your stuff, uh, as long as you can turn it into something that a dumb guy like me can understand and ask you questions about, I'm more than happy to have you on. As long as you don't have tenure, that's the only requirement. Last thing, again, because we're talking about incels this week, this is not an episode that I think is, is probably work-safe or kid-friendly. So just a heads up about that. So this is episode 18 of Untenure Tracks. to so many other questions so i guess i want to go back to them to the survey <laughs> so what kind of what kind of questions are they asking like what kind of data are they getting about themselves so i figured you would you would ask this so i actually pulled it up <laughs> um, <laughs> so they ask um about age like they ask all just demographic yeah. information what continent they're from 
um, kind of how they feel about the black pill or the red pill, if you're familiar, or with, you know, the matrix terms about yeah. blue pill and red pill. Um, although a lot of incels kind of prescribe to what they call the black pill, um, which is that the red pill, but there's nothing they can do to change it. They just accept things as they are and understand that this is how it will be forever. Um, <laughs> so like a very fatalistic kind fatalistic, of fatalistic. Um, I've called it nihilistic before. Yeah. It, uh, some people really disagree with that. Um, that they say like, no, we just accept that we are unattractive, that no one will ever love us. Um, which is essentially fatalism or yeah. nihilism. So I'm still trying to work out that, but I feel like I need like a philosopher <laughs> to like explain all this to me very quick, clearly, and then kind of <laughs> ask. I, I need to be in like a group chat with like a philosopher and an incel that takes issue with this. Um, but they ask about mental illness, um, if they've ever kissed a girl, if they've ever had sex, if they've ever had sex with an escort, um, if they have friends, if they've thought about plastic surgery. Um, if they hate the human species, <laughs> uh, do you think that females can be incel? Um, so yeah, like I said, you can see it's all again, like nominal uh-huh. variables. Um, but it's, it's a little bit helpful in, in some sense in understanding who's answering and who's joining. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot more that they could do with it. So I've made some recommendations to the moderators about uh the surveys but as you can imagine like with like i could develop one for them yeah uh, but then i'd have to go through like the irb and the informed consent and just from doing interviews they're not big fans of the informed consent yeah Um, and i think that would be a turnoff for a lot of people for them so um yeah i've just made like recommendations to the moderators and said like this is a likert scale this is (laughs) this is a feelings thermometer yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how much do you hate the human species today? Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it's weird like that I'm trying to like get into conversations with people about, um, about how to do like research methodology and like survey methodology. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if it helps them, um, and I think if it helps us get a better read of, of how their participants or how people in the community are feeling, then it could be helpful. Huh. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I never know how these interviews are going to go. Like I I treat them very much like my like like class, right? Like I'll have pl- like a basic game plan for class and then if the students figure out how to derail me and they do, then right. cool. <laughs> did I did I wake up this morning thinking about <laughs> how how incels might study themselves? I did not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's super fascinating, though. And it makes me wonder, like, if there are other organizations that do the same thing, <laughs> right? And, that would be really cool. And I, re- I really want to know, like, why did they start doing it? Like, I can ask. Next like, time I yeah, please. I'm, I'm just... <laughs> was it, like, a housekeeping thing? Was it to make sure... Like, a, was it a gatekeeping thing? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I can ask. So their next survey, their last survey came out in October. So their next survey should be around March. Um, Then I'm going to work with them to talk about their questions. So I'll be sure to ask. Huh. (laughs) Um, So a random-ish question, but from from your talking with them, have you ever gotten the sense that they are proponents of eugenics? 
Um, so some of them kind of individually have said things like they don't want to have children uh-huh. um, because they would just pass on like their ugly genes. Like I've seen kind of threads like that. Some of them are really mad at their parents for reproducing and then having them uh-huh. um, because then like they're really short or they're really ugly. Um, I've also seen threads. And again, some of these may be like shit posting, right? And these yeah. are just ones that I remember, but that short women should not be allowed to have children because if they have boys, then they will likely have short boys. Uh-huh. Um, and I namely remember that one because I'm five feet tall. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll be sterilized then. <laughs> um, Take one for the cause, Sarah. <laughs> right. Uh, so I, I don't know if they're kind of arguing for kind of broad-based eugenics, um, but I, I think that there is something to be said for passing on genes that are undesirable. Yeah. Um, but you know, none of them in my interviews have said that I'm just basing this on what I've seen on the forum. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just occurred to me because it's something that, that has come up in like some of the autism advocacy circles where there are organizations now that are basically advocating for eugenics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, there's, uh, one man I interviewed and he's actually very open to being interviewed and talking. Um, and he is autistic and I asked him about this that I said that like, you know, because he's he's an advocate for early screening and then teaching kids social skills at a young age. Because um, he said that he was not, uh, and I'm this, I'm not, you know, breaking his confidentiality because he actually said this in the Incel podcast too. Um, but he didn't realize he was autistic until he was in his twenties. Uh-huh. Um, so he feels like had he known earlier, he could have learned social skills over time. Um, and I asked him about this that like, are we? kind of trying by trying to find a cure for autism autism are we kind of getting rid of this whole autistic group and the eugenics argument and he basically yelled at me that that was bullshit so (laughs) really (laughs) that he wishes there were a cure so that that would solve his issues huh Mm -hmm. he also advocates for um what they call sca maxing so um that's that incels should go to southeastern asia uh-huh. And do online dating there because um, standards for men are lower there. Huh. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. You can also YouTube that, too. There's lots of videos. There's a guy who, like, leads this movement for unattractive men to go to Southeast Asia. But it's not, like, a sex tourism thing. No. that's Because they said that, like, women there are kind of willing participants to engage in romantic relationships with men there. So it's not sex tourism. Huh. Mm-hmm. This is so interesting. <laughs> this is, <laughs> huh. I, I honestly don't know what to I say. Home, when I go home, when I go back to Jersey for Christmas and my yeah. family says, what research are you doing now? And I get to tell them about this. Because my mom always says, like, when I was doing my mass shooting research, she's like, why don't you study something happy? (laughs) 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 Do you get that from your family? My family doesn't really understand what I do at all. (laughs) So the last last conversation I had with them about work was when, um, over the summer, I was um, gearing up to launch Play for Progress, Mm -hmm. and... Um, just getting ready to go back to school. 
um, to work on that on this creative writing degree um, to kind of help help that project out. And I was explaining it to them, and they <laughs> I don't know if they were angry <laughs> about it, but they they don't I don't think they really get it right. Okay. And like very the, the few times that I've tried to talk about stuff that I do, it's mm-hmm. it's very clear that like. I should just talk about the kids, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I, it, that's always like a dreaded question though. It's like when people said, when you're in your doctoral program, you know, people are saying like, what, what's your dissertation on? And you're like, Oh no. Like now I have to say this, but like, and people would ask me and I'm like mass shootings. And then like, you could just feel the whole room be like, womp, womp. Yeah. you know, but now with incels, I, I don't know. That's even like a larger discussion where people look at me even funnier. Yeah. About it. Um, and it's weird cause I work at a very small Catholic Benedictine liberal arts college. Mm-hmm. So the president of the college who I, I know well, um, saw a grant proposal that I wrote and he's like, I want to talk to you about your research. And he's a Benedictine monk uh-huh. or priest. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, okay. You want to talk about men who can't have sex? <laughs> who are? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, this is uncomfortable, right? I was raised yeah. Catholic. I don't feel comfortable talking to a priest about <laughs> sex. This makes me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, he was really interested in it. Um, and I got to call him a vol cell, right? A voluntary celibate. <laughs> I was going to make the joke, but it didn't seem appropriate. Oh, right. No, like I said it to the president of the college. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, why wouldn't I? He has, like, he started it. Yeah, he started it. <laughs> but yeah, he was standing there in like his full like habit with the collar. And I'm like, yeah, let's talk about sex, bro. <laughs> So funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, and when you and Joda talked about kind of like integrating your your research into the classroom, because you know I'm going to teach in college too. Like all my students know about incels now. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the graduate course, I've had them do a content analysis of their forums, um, like just a quick and dirty content analysis for like themes. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to include a whole chapter of the book where I just let like unleash people on the forum and get their reactions. Right. And just say like, what do you think when you read this and then present this to incels and say, this is what people think of you when they see what's on the forum. So Uh what can we do about this? Right. Like public perception based on what people say and then what people actually are thinking about the forum. So you're going to teach them about public relations. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You got to work on your brand guys. (laughs) Right. But, you know, it's I I feel like I'm very, I don't know, cognizant of the fact that there are certain spaces where I just don't belong, you know, like, so I think like ethically, you know, I can't make a fake name or like I can't make a name and masquerade as an incel and post. So I just kind of like observe or I'm a a lurker, as they say. Yeah. Uh, But in a sense, in some sense, I'm like, it's not my job to police. I have no right to police what people say. Yeah. You know, um, do I think a lot of it's reverence? Well, yeah. Um, do I, am I, would I like, like to hear you say this in real life? Absolutely not. Um, but if this is where you choose to like spend your time, then so be it. Um, so I'm a little bit nervous in a sense that like when I publish this book, if I do publish this book, um, 
that I'm going to get some backlash from kind of like liberal people or feminists. Um, and it, it's also weird that like that I call myself a feminist, you know, and I'm, I'm studying men. Uh, but, which that's I, what, but that's what feminism is, right? Like feminism is a study of gender and, oh, right. and things that, it, so, things that are, if it's, I mean, I don't think it matters what the sex of the person is. It's, it's gendered behavior that's harming them. Right. So, you know, I, I don't want to like ever seem like in this research that I'm advocating for this. Yeah. You know, um, or that I'm saying like, well, yeah, they talk about rape, but let's ignore that. You know, like I, I, that's, I think that's been the biggest challenge of all of this is how I, I, I don't know, like consider all this from an objective point of view without offending anyone on either side, I guess. Yeah. Although I, I probably shouldn't give a shit. <laughs> I'm just I, I honestly wouldn't. I mean, mm-hmm. like I think about how you would translate these research questions into other groups that could potentially be violent, right? So mm-hmm. either gangs, like I talked about, or another one that I think would work would be like college student athletes, mm-hmm. right? So football football teams have a horrible reputation. There are lots of football players who've been sexually violent. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody would, if you if you were to do a project on like Division One teams, mm-hmm. right? The same exact thing that you're doing, you'd find all kinds of racist and homophobic and reprehensible things mm-hmm. that they're saying. The locker room talk. Right. <laughs> right. And I don't think anybody would come away from that thinking like either all football players are terrible people, which we know isn't true, or that you are like, in spite of all of this, like, go out for football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think that's why, like, when it comes down to it, I really, if I just write technically right, yeah. in an accessible way. Um, that the data is there, right? I let the research and the qualitative data and then the quantitative data based on their surveys, um, let that speak for itself. Yeah. You know, that I'm not advocating for or against anything, but just saying, this is what I, we know, this is what I found and you can draw your own conclusions. Yeah. yeah. That's the hope. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm interested in hearing more about, like your, your experiences teaching this. Um, and mm-hmm. especially like some of the reactions from your students, because if you remember, um, when you, when you Skyped into my class to talk, um, mm-hmm. there was one student in there who was very familiar with the terminology already. Right. Um, cause you made a reference to white knighting, I think, and mm-hmm. he understood that. And so I talked to him about it because for that class, I had them do like basically oral exams. So they'd come okay. and talk to me about the class. And so, um, Many of them raved about you, just uh-huh. for I the like record. <laughs> um, and so I was like, uh, and he and he mentioned too that that was one of his favorite days. Um, and so I was like, yeah, like you knew a lot about that already. Like, what's up? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so he told me that him and his friends would lurk on the forums, and that to them, the behavior of the incels became like a really bad soap opera. And so they would they would check in on them like periodically through the week. And I think I from what I understood from him, like follow individual posters. <laughs> and like, I wonder what this guy's up to now. Oh, here's some like horrible stuff that he said that's hilarious. Right. Like falling for the shit posting, totally, I think. Mm-hmm. Um but then also like making fun of them 
offline, but it was just like, oh, I don't understand. <laughs> like either, well, like this is I this is what you guys are doing for fun beforehand, and it wasn't like I gave them some. I, I told them about incels and then gave them something to do <laughs> instead yeah. of like preparing for class. Um, <laughs> that uh, that class I think was pretty aware of the concept, mm-hmm. but this student was the only one who I, who I'm aware of who was mm-hmm. like going to the forums already. Yeah. So, well, that's one of the things that I had asked the some of the uh, administrators about or the moderators about like, why not just close the, the forum to the public? Um, And he had said that people will speculate even more when it's behind closed doors. So just let everybody see, Um, which I don't know if that's, I I, I guess there's some validity to that. But um, when I teach students about it, they've been uh, open to it. And I think they're really interested about it. Um, One of the difficult things that I've had to do is kind of put a content warning on things, right? Because they say vile things about rape or sexual assault. So I want to make sure that my students are okay Uh um, reading that. So usually like if, so for example, when I had them do sample like content analysis or thematic analysis, I gave them the option of going on the incel forum to just observe, right. And read the forums or, um, doing a content analysis or trying to classify and categorize Donald Trump's tweets. Uh Um, which is also kind of hilarious and (laughs) terrible (laughs) and and upsetting. And yeah, those also need its own own content warning. Yep. (laughs) I need to find something like happier, like in Amazon reviews or something. (laughs) Oh, even there, (laughs) I would just pick, I would just pick like an, an innocuous brand and have them follow like their social media. Like who wouldn't be posting something upsetting? I imagine that like McDonald's is probably, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't know, there was rec- that recent post by Netflix, that tweet from Netflix about like things that you could say. Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> I take it back. The brands are becoming self-aware. They really are. Like it's like I don't know who was hiring these people, but like they're a lot funnier than I think I ever was <laughs> than I ever am at work. Um. But yeah, I think the students have been really receptive to it, um, and they're they're interested in it because I think it's relevant. It's happening in the world that they know. Um, it's coming right from the headlines, you know, with the uh, recent attacks and with the threats about the Joker movie. Um, so I think they recognize it. Um, but when I had them read them, a lot of them were like, "Oh my God, look what this one said!" You know that it's they think it's funny, and like you said, they're falling for a lot of the shit posting. Yeah. Um, but and then I but then I say to them, I said, "Look for themes of sadness and depression and mm-hmm. loneliness," and they're like, "Oh, there it is. This guy asked the best way to kill himself." Mm-hmm. Like, oh, then like you didn't catch that before, and they're like, "No, this one called a woman a cum dumpster," and I'm like, "Okay, so." You missed a you missed a suicide threat because you saw the word cum dumpster. <laughs> I'm sorry that I just said that. On <laughs> there's the there's the title of the episode. <laughs> it's not, not going to be the title of the episode. <laughs> you can as long as it's not like Sarah Daly is. Like, that's what I feel like. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's weird too because like they have their own like language like you said like that student is is so like hip to these terms, um, but I I feel like I've like 
started using some of these terms and like my life, not gum dumpster, but like <laughs> that I'll say something about like a Chad or a Stacy and I'm like, Oh God, I'm talking like an incel. The listens like, <laughs> I don't, I have to make a glossary for my book. I think. <laughs> yeah. Right. An appendix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I love my job. <laughs> I love I love my job. I love that people voluntarily come on this show and that I'll probably forget about this because it's not going to come out in, for a few weeks mm-hmm. and <laughs> probably like the end of January. <laughs> be like, oh shit. I know. Well, I was thinking <laughs> this morning, <laughs> this morning as I was getting ready. Oh, because when you had emailed me, I was like laying in bed and reading my email and I was like, oh, Skype, I have to get up and like put eyebrows on. So as I was doing that, I was thinking like, oh, this would be good for my dossier, right? Like scholarly work. Yep. Then I'm like, oh God, the school will probably like post this. Like, if I share this with them. So now I definitely can't. Like, I don't know that St. Vincent will be like, here, listen to our professor say these horrific words at my small Catholic Benedict in the Arts College. Oh, my God. I, I, will, I'll, I won't tag them. I know. Well, the, I, won't, I won't tag them in it. Like I said, the, the, the college president's like, cool with my work and he's a reasonable person yeah but he asked me to present at like his first administrative meeting because he likes to share what research faculty are doing and i said i was like are you sure you want me to present this uh-huh and he's like oh absolutely so i showed like some of the most like horrific things that i could find from the forum like that day before and i was like i'm sorry that i mentioned like women having sex with animals in your second administrative meeting as the college president. It was like 8.45 in the morning. You gotta shoot your shot, though. You gotta shoot your shot. You got one opportunity to go into that level of meeting and make bestiality references. Quite frankly. (laughs) You went in and did some PG-13 kind of stuff. You'd you regret were, it forever. You, you know, you were just like, I love my job. Like, this is where we, but like, you know, St. Vincent's a Catholic college. There's like a crucifix in every room. So like, I'm teaching about like, I don't know, like fraudage or, you know, incels. And I look and there's like Jesus on the crucifix in the wall. And I'm like, how is this my life? Like, how is this what I'm teaching in this place to this room full of students? <laughs> In rural southwestern Pennsylvania, like how did we get here? <laughs> yeah, I wonder that too. I ask mm-hmm. that. I I frequently have the the like record scratch. Yes. <laughs> so I bet you're wondering how how your boy ended up here. Yeah, I don't know either. And then a flashback, right? <laughs> yep. Like I think that all the time that I'm here right that i relocated from like south jersey right and now i'm in teaching in like tiny westmoreland county um that uh, 12 years ago i was teaching it uh, like high school spanish like how did this happen (laughs) (laughs) i was teaching kids to conjugate verbs but now i study in (laughs) self Yep. It's a good lesson for the students who are like 19 years old and are convinced that they have to know what they want to do with the rest of their, of their lives. Right. That like, you're never going to know. <laughs> like, 
your life just kind of happens and then you're like, oh, that's what I did with my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not yeah. like, what am I going to do and have all this anxiety? Right. Like Notre Dame, where I did my undergrad in Spanish literature. Um, <laughs> yeah. Spanish lit to hear. Yeah, I was a Spanish lit major. Um, they emailed me the other day. I think they were asking for money, as per usual. Yeah. Um, Notre and, Dame needs money. I think they're... Right, right. And of all the 2005 graduates, like, I'm the one that you should ask. Right? Like, perhaps you should call my friends who were in the NFL. Maybe, yeah. maybe have more money. But, um, <laughs> you know, they said, like, they're doing this whole campaign. Like, what did you do with your arts and letters degree? So I like did their Google form and I checked the box. Like I was a uh, Spanish major and I uh-huh. was like, now I'm a criminal justice PhD and I study involuntarily celibate men. <laughs> so I can't wait until somebody reads that. Like the Dean's like, what the hell's going on? Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Making Notre Dame proud. You're welcome. Oh yeah. <laughs> Irish. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm I'm flashing back to like all the times I've had a student like having that pan that like legitimate panic attack because they're they're gonna graduate soon and they still don't know what they're gonna do. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm almost forty and I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> so Right, we don't know what we're gonna oh, do when we grow. So if you figure it out, you tell me. Right. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean you're still in graduate school, so I, <laughs> Oh yeah. I am a I am a grad student. Yes. I am a... All the doors are wide open. Oh, yeah. The world is my oyster. (laughs) Yep. There's so many opportunities ahead of me. I can't wait. (laughs) It was nice my student loan debt got deferred. So... Oh, yeah. Yeah, my wife was super excited. Like, at first she was worried. She was Mm. like, Sally Mae didn't ask for her money this month. What's going on? (laughs) Like, I'm back in school. We don't have to pay that for a while. <laughs> that is actually a really good incentive to go back to school. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I always think about, like, if I weren't a criminologist, like, what I would be doing now, right? Like, um, or, like, if I could go back to school and do it all over again. And I think I've just watched so much Grey's Anatomy that, like, I think I could be a surgeon. My, si- like, my uh, sister is a surgeon. My sister would tell you no. <laughs> <laughs> my sister, the surgeon, would say No. <laughs> no, like no to Grey's Anatomy or no don't be a surgeon. To, um, maybe to both. Okay. <laughs> so much like how we can't watch like, well, I can't watch crime shows really unless it's like okay. super over the top superhero stuff. Then I can get all in on it or like really corny stuff. Um, she she can't watch any kind of medical stuff anymore. That was last I heard. Okay, she just that gets makes mad sense. at it. But well, like, with Grey's Anatomy, it started because like you know when we moved. I also don't think people recognize, like, the general public doesn't recognize that um, in academic jobs, like, you just are expected to pick up yep. and move to wherever and leave all your friends and family and go be by yourself. So, you know, I was single. I moved to a very rural location. I lived in a town called Hunker with 300 people. Hunker. Um, <laughs> and names- I would wake up in the morning and there were gunshots, like, in the backyard. Uh-huh. And, you know, having taught in Camden County, New Jersey, gunshots there mean something very different. So, like, yeah. I think I, like, hit the floor the first time I I heard it. <laughs> like, yeah. watched TV on the floor for the first month in Hunker. And it's just a guy um, giving off, like, a 21-gun salute because the sun came up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. But, like, you know, I didn't have any friends, so I needed a show that I could watch from beginning to end. So why not watch 15 seasons of 
Grey's Anatomy in my first three months alone in a new area. Why not? <laughs> but then all my all my new friends kept dying because it's Grey's Anatomy and everybody dies. My new friends kept dying. <laughs> <laughs> everybody I care about dies. <laughs> and they I just would, leave me. <laughs> everybody on Grey's Anatomy dies, so I would be up at like 3 o'clock in the morning like in the fetal <laughs> position crying and then go into teach at 8.30 with like puffy eyes. <laughs> I had a rough night, guys. We're Sorry, gonna, all my friends died last we're night. Just gonna, we're just going to watch a movie today. <laughs> Mentally, I can't handle it. I know. They probably thought I was, like, hungover. But no, it's just that I was sobbing uncontrollably at an ABC show. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't know how we got here. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, no. And, yeah, I, I tell them, like, my story about getting here. And, mm-hmm. and so I was, I was a computer science major and it was awful. <laughs> and I only did it because that's what my dad got his degree in. I had mm-hmm. no idea what else I wanted to do. And then, uh, I ended up here mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was a, there was a brief period after undergrad where I worked at target unloading trucks. Okay. And so I tell them that whole story and they're like mystified. And so <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you have to, like you make your own luck. <laughs> you don't. Mm-hmm. You do not rely on anybody. Yeah. You have to go way above and beyond what's expected of you. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 then when they hear me like, yeah, I'm I'm going to be forty this summer. I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> like, probably not like super reassuring. I guess to hear this person that you think is you think is an adult, right? Kind of just say like, eh. As a leader, the leader of the classroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> happening. <laughs> yep. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. No, I, I always encourage students to do jobs, you know, because a lot of our students work anyway, but, like, to do jobs where they recognize that this is not what they want to do forever, so they have to work to get themselves out of this, right? Like, um when I was teaching, that's basically, I mean, I took one year off after undergrad, and I was like, oh, shit, like, these are, like, really serious problems that my students have, and I am ill-equipped to address this, so I'm going to go back to school to figure it out. Uh Um, And then that's how I wound up in graduate school for 10 years. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I think there's a lot that they can learn from other jobs, and then that'll direct them and guide them. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? Maybe in like academia, in a few more years, we're like, oh god, I'm gonna work myself out of this. <laughs> There's a very good possibility that I'm just gonna be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Oh yeah, no, I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. I, my backup plan, if I didn't get tenure, was to open up a restaurant. <laughs> I, I would daydream about that, mm-hmm. just because there is this empty lot by my house, um, and so I had the name of it. We're, <laughs> I was like. <laughs> I would, like, daydream about, like, the menu and stuff. I have zero background in this at all. A hundred percent chance it would have failed. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I do most of the cooking here. Okay. Um, so it's a start. Yeah. So I could I could food, I could could serve food that's edible <laughs> to people. That's, that's way spicy and way salty. There you um, go. <laughs> I feel like there's a market for that in northeast Pennsylvania, which is mostly just bland pizza. Yes. 
Yes. So. Oh, you gotta go go south to Philly for good pizza. <laughs> or New York, obviously. Go east to New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the the best way to get a fight going in class is to ask whether or not there's good pizza here. Yeah. And the students yeah. will will go off. We are so off <laughs> track. Yeah. This is this is where we we've, we've gone here. <laughs> Which is probably a, a good sign to just wrap it up. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> We're talking about pizza and, and Scranton. And who <laughs> All right. Thank you for, for doing the show. This was fantastic. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this.